Hey guys, I'm Ange. And I'm Jay. And welcome back to WTF True Crime and Other Shit. So today, I just wanted to say that we had a bunch of actual podcasts follow us on Instagram. So that's cool. That's pretty exciting, yeah. Yeah, we, like, our Instagram follower account has, like, tripled in the last couple weeks. Yeah, so that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and also, we just wanted to apologize for having a little mini hiatus there. Um, so... I don't, I don't know if you guys can hear that loud truck just went by the house. It was really loud. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, like my idea I had for the podcast last week, I had kind of second thoughts and reservations about it. So um, it was about a weird topic about, you know, someone who found they were sexually attracted to like the Eiffel Tower and fences and stuff. And even though it's weird, I didn't think it'd be right to kind of poke fun at it because it is a... Uh, you know, an, an actual sexual orientation that's mm-hmm. out there. So I and figured then, we'd, we'd stop, we'd skip over that. And yeah, by the time we came to that conclusion, we were like, oh, well, now we don't have time to research something else. Yeah, so, there was no time. Yeah, so we just kind of skipped last week. We apologize for that, but we are back on track, and we're going to be back every week now. Every week. So that's exciting. It's research mania now. Double the content. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Um, so I think, like, what else was I going to say? I say that every time. What else was I going to say? Um, so my cousin Kayla has graciously offered to help us with our Instagram page so that it's more just better. Because right now I literally just post the pictures and that's it. But she's going to make cute little collages and make it look all pretty. Yeah, she's going to upgrade our social presence. Yeah, so thanks, Kayla, for that. We really appreciate it. Um, if anybody wants a hoodie... Uh, I have the prints in now. I'm ordering hoodies this week. So I need to know by the end of this week at the latest if you would like a hoodie, what size you would like, and then I can order them. Um, and then I'll have those in, those ready and good to go by mid-month. And also, if you want buttons, you can pop them on your, you know, your bag, your mm-hmm. hat, your coat, whatever. Yeah, and anything else you guys might want, we can make it happen. So let us know. We can make it happen. We're very excited. Uh, hoodies are $45 if anybody wants any. How much are you selling the buttons for? Like three bucks. Three bucks for a button if anybody wants that. So I think those were all the announcements that we had. Yeah, I don't have anything. All right, yeah, you don't. You're, you're just here for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just get right into it. So for those of you who don't know me personally, I posted this on like my regular Facebook page, but my mom and I went on a tour of the Kingston Penitentiary, which is obviously in Kingston, Ontario, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so Kingston Pen was opened on June 1st, 1835, and it closed on September 30th, 2013, and it opened for tours a couple years later in 2016. Um, so some of the most famous prisoners that were held there were Clifford Olson, Russell Williams, do you know who that is? No. Nope. I've never heard of Cl- Clifford Olson, actually, but Russell Williams was, like, a military guy, and he, like, ended up killing a couple of people. Uh, it was really, like, really in the news a lot when it happened. Was it the guy from Borden? Possibly. I don't know. I don't remember, but I'm going to look into his case and maybe do him later. Um, and Paul Bernardo was actually there as yeah, well. Yeah, everyone in Canada knows who Paul Bernardo yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not, I don't think we'll ever cover his case on this podcast just because there's so much info out on it and I don't want yeah, to regurgitate, bore, yeah. but everybody's heard before. So, um, but yeah, Paul Bernardo was there up until it closed in 2013 and I'm not sure where he is now. I feel like it's Millhaven, possibly. But I think I'm he's not in like sure. a like he's in a pretty minimum security place. I Is think. he? Yeah, I think so. Because Kingston Pen was maximum security. Yeah, I don't think he's in like a max. They area dropped anymore. him down and they moved I him. Think so that's crazy. That's scary. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, my mom and I, we live several hours away from Kingston, so we decided to book the extended tour because we figure if we're going to drive five hours each way to go on this tour, we're going to make it worth our while. Might as That's well. how hardcore we are. We really wanted <laughs> to go five hours each way. It's a long day. Um, so it was supposed to be two and a half hours, but our tour guide, William, was amazing and stretched it out to about almost three hours. So that was cool. Um, so I'm just going to talk a little bit about our tour that we had went on there. So first we went to the smaller building that was on the grounds and we were there to sign waivers, just saying like if we fall or whatever, they're not um, liable for anything. Um, and also um, because they, they said there was uneven terrain, but it was just because we were walking like outside on the regular ground. So it wasn't super <laughs> uneven, but it was just like outside. Yeah. <laughs> so just in case we were tripping or falling or whatever. Um, so we signed our waivers. We waited for the whole group to finish that and we went outside. So the first thing William told us is that the building that we were just in used to be the women's prison. I didn't realize there was a women's prison hmm. there. So there was the main prison, which was the men's, and this was like a much, much smaller building, which was the women's. Yeah. Like it was maybe like the size of a house. Like it was pretty small. Um, so we were only in that one little room where we signed the waiver. So we didn't get a tour of that building. But from the outside, we could see the bars on the lower floor. And then he said the upper floor didn't have bars because that's where the prison staff would stay. Huh. Like they would like have their like their staff rooms up there, and like I guess they had like a like a room or whatever if they needed to stay. So they just hung out above the prisoners. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The prisoners were below, and they would mm. hang up upstairs. Um, so women were held at the prison until 1966, but they were segregated to that own their own little area in that building. So we were then told how old the youngest inmate ever in Kingston Pen was. So his name was Antoine Bouche, and he was imprisoned for pickpocketing on the St. Lawrence River. Pickpocketing? Not, yeah. So how old do you think this person was when he was incarcerated there? Mm, 15. 15, yeah. I was thinking 17, because I'm like, it's prison, it's not a juvenile facility. I was thinking 17. He was eight years old. Eight? Eight. And his 10-year-old brother was also imprisoned there for the same crime of pickpocketing. Holy jeez. Well, yeah, so they got them both. And I guess they, they, need, no, they weren't getting allowance at home, I guess. <laughs> but to throw an 8- and a 10-year-old in jail? Like, what well, the they, fuck is that? Maybe they were in the women's area. No, they weren't. That's fucked up. They, they were, like, in prison. But it wasn't a maximum security then. It was like a like a minimal, more minimal security. Oh. But still. But still, you don't throw an eight-year-old in prison. Exactly. Jesus. Yeah. So at that point in the tour, we were told about an escape plan gone wrong in which a delivery driver ended up being murdered by an inmate. Um, so I have the worst memory. Apparently I have a memory of a goldfish because I don't remember actually a lot of the tour. Oh. I was like, oh, I don't remember. And now we're so, doing a podcast on it. Yeah. So, <laughs> Ma, you know, I, pull, I pulled out what I could. Okay. Um, so I don't remember a ton of details, but I know it involved somehow the inmate stashed a gun under the seat of the delivery van. And then the delivery driver went in, did his deliveries, whatever. And then when he came back out, he ended up getting shot by the inmate. Because they tried to steal the van and escape somehow. And they ended up shooting the delivery driver. But how did the inmate get a gun? I don't remember. I don't know if he told us that. Oh, I think it was, I feel like, um, like the rules were more relaxed back then because it was a long, long time ago. Like it was shortly after the prison opened. So I want to say it was like in the 1800s still. Jesus. So the rules were a lot more relaxed and like somebody just passed it to him. Yeah. I feel, oh, oh, it's coming back to me. He said something about it was um, a guy that used to be in prison there, like an ex-con. And he ended up working, going, going back there to work. And he slipped a gun into one of the prisoners. Oh. Yeah, because like I said, the security measures were a lot more lax back then, so they weren't checking the staff members. Jeez, okay. So, yeah, that's that's what it was. 
Why would they hire an ex-prisoner guy to work? <laughs> an ex-prisoner to work there. Cool, Seems you used like to be in prison, now you're out. Oops on but, the hiring yeah. process there. But, so you made friends while you are in here. Sure, come back and work. <laughs> yeah. Have yeah. access to all the sensitive areas. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's how that happened. And unfortunately, that gentleman ended up losing his life, but sucks. Um, so after that, we were taken to the prison, the actual prison, and we were shown a cell block, which had some graffiti from the prisoners, which I have, I took some pictures of, so I'm going to post oh, those. I saw those. Those are kind of neat, man. Yeah, like it's, like, like they actually wrote on the walls. And there was paintings and stuff? There was really cool paintings. Yeah, that's yeah. Nice. Um, like they weren't allowed, they weren't supposed to have paint in their cells, but I guess they would take it from like, like if they had art, art shop or whatever, they yeah. would take it into their cells and like. Uh, it's the lesser of, of two evils, right? Like, you're going to let them have their paints or you're going to, like, yeah. try to confiscate it and, like, have a huge thing on your hand. Like, just let them paint. It's fine. Yeah. But some of the murals they did and pictures are super yeah, pretty cool. pretty crazy. Yeah. I was yeah. impressed. Yeah. Um, there was also a couple of small metal tables outside of the cells um, so they could sit and play cards or whatever. Um, there was a payphone and, of course, the cells were there as well. So the prisoners were... P- prisoners were actually allowed some items in their cells. I was actually pretty shocked because everything that was still in the cells were things that were actually what the prisoners used while they were there. The The tour guide said that all of those things were things that were left behind, either when the prisoner got discharged or moved to a different prison or whatever. And they just left the stuff in the cell? They left them there, and now they're there as part of the tour. Oh, neat. Yeah, so, but now, so we can see, like, what kind of items were they actually had in there. So, um, some of them had CD players, books, puzzles. One had a TV and, an, and a Nintendo 64 in it. How do you get that stuff I in your prison? You I shouldn't don't. have any of that shit. I know, but I guess... That's fucked. I don't yeah, like that. Yeah, I guess they somehow got that in well, there. Well, I guess it's got, you got to give them a reward for being good. Otherwise, you just put them in prison and they'll start killing everybody. Yeah, exactly. There has and, to be some kind of reward system. Yeah, and they did mention, too, like when the prison first opened... They weren't the prisoners weren't allowed to talk to each other. If they talked, they got in shit. They weren't allowed to say anything. They weren't hmm. they, they were quiet twenty three hours a day. Like they were not allowed to talk. I kinda like that though. Yeah, but can you imagine like how like you'd feel so defeated you'd you wouldn't want to re- rehabilitate yeah. yourself. Well, you I wouldn't. guess so, yeah. You would just be like, What the frig is the point? Like you would they literally like a freaking animal. Yeah, well, maybe because like N sixty four, you want to get out and see what new games you can get. Yeah. You probably only have like one game to play. Yeah, so that'd like, be a motivating I gotta be factor. good yeah. so I can get out and play more games. There you go. That'd, that'd motivate me to rehabilitate. <laughs> yeah. So we have. I'm gonna have post pictures of the cells on the Instagram and Facebook page as well. And he also said that the cells that we saw were. Like, they renovated, so that's the size that they were. But when the prison first opened, they were half the size of that, which is crazy because they weren't that big when we saw them. Well, that makes sense, though. You can't talk, no space. Yeah, there was, like, literally half a size would have been, like... There was a reason not to go to prison because you don't have nothing. Yeah. Like, half the size would have been basically just the size of big big enough for a bed. That's it. Yeah. It was crazy. Uh, So the inmates were usually in their cells for around 11 hours a day. Um, mandatory. They could choose to spend more time in their cells, but it was mandatory 11 time, eleven hours a day. And they spent the rest of their time either working in one of the workshops, the canteen, outside for rec time, or in one of the classrooms, or in the gym. Um, so they'd go to the gym with their block, because they always had to stay with their same block. So like 1A or 2B or whatever, oh, like their same yeah. block. Um, so then there was these big black squares on the walls, and if the inmates were getting rowdy in the gym, they were given a verbal warning, 
and if they didn't behave, one of the guards stationed at the gym would fire a warning shot into the black squares. So, like, they would literally fire guns in the gym into these black squares. I guess they absorbed the bullet or whatever. Yeah. But it would be so freaking loud. That like, would be loud in a gym. Holy yeah, fuck. Yeah. So, they, the inmates obviously tried not to yeah. have that happen because, oh, my God, I can't even imagine how painful yeah. that would definitely be. definitely be very loud and very uncomfortable. Yeah. So, we have a picture of those squares. Black squares. There was a name for them. I can't remember. Goldfish. I can't remember what it uh, was. Black squares works. <laughs> black, yeah, black Big squares. black squares, guys. <laughs> yeah. So there used to be a dining hall when the prison was first opened, but this was eventually closed, and the inmates would also eat their meals in their cells. Oh, so like teenagers, right? Just go to their room and eat, then yeah. eat the rest of the family? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah Makes yourself. sense. I can't remember why they closed the dining hall, but there was a reason. I don't know what it was. <laughs> So, uh, we were also shown a very large control panel that showed all of the doors in the prison. Uh, green meant closed and red meant open, which seems like it would be the opposite. Yeah. Like, green means good. But I, but if you think about it, like, green is good because it's closed. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, but only one door was able to be open at a time. So, it was restricted movement in the prison. Oh, so you can't just free everybody at once? Mm-mm. So, you could have, like, like... Like, a block open. Yeah, whatever. so you had to close that door before you could open another one. Interesting. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And then a little little further down the hall from that control panel was where the suicide watch rooms were. And they just had like a slab and a mattress on top of, a, of this um, cement slab. Yeah. And it was just a thin mattress, I guess, because they were trying to, not to harm. Like, they be hard like, to take yourself out in that room. Yeah. But, like, well, I mean, this, if it's cement, I mean, if you well, really you want know, to. Yeah, I mean, no one's going to just start head diving into the floor. You could if you really yeah. want to badly enough. Maybe. It would hurt, I guess. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, and down that hall, there was a couple other segregation cells. So, and there was one of the segregation cells had a really nice mural, too. So, I don't know how he got paint in a segregation cell. Yeah. yeah, but it was really nice. Like, there was a lot of artists in there. I don't want to think of where those paints were to get in there, but. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe they were in his prison pocket. <laughs> I don't want to think about a prison pocket. <laughs> so, there was also about eight classrooms on the second floor where the inmates could earn their grade 12 diplomas. Because if you didn't have a grade 12 diploma, that was your job while you were there. You had to go oh, to school. Oh, nice. To go work. to school. Yeah, you had to go to school to work on your grade 12. Um, so every classroom had about 10 students and a teacher who was also a guard. Because obviously they can't be watching over these inmates if they're not also a prison guard. So the guard had a panic button alarm. And when that was pressed, it notified the other guards on the floor that was watching over the classrooms. So we were told a story during our tour about how one time a teacher had fallen asleep while the students were working away on their schoolwork. That doesn't seem like a good idea. Yeah, no. Why are you... So the teacher woke up to find all of the inmates crowded around the desk and holding that panic button. And they said, hmm, it's a good thing it was us that, that you fell asleep around and not some of the other guys. Like, we we didn't do anything. You're freaking lucky. Wow. Like, they had the panic button and also their keys. Like, they had like they could have yeah. let themselves out. Like, that te- that teacher is so lucky that those I'd say. prisoners fuck. were, like, honest. <laughs> so, Kingston became a maximum security prison in 1988. So, I guess, like, well, obviously not when the 8 and 10-year-olds were there. No. Um, so the people that were in there were in there for some pretty heinous crimes, like Papa Dardo. Yep. <laughs> there were three riots in the history of the Kingston Pen. The first one happened in October of 1932 and involved 900 inmates. How do you stop a 900 inmate riot? I don't know. <laughs> That'd be pretty hard to do, Yeah, man. it's 
ridiculous. What the fuck is that? I don't know. You just wait till they get tired? I guess so. Like, I don't know much about the first two riots. We talk more in depth about the third one. But the first two, I don't know. It just says, the first one started during a baseball game where a guard was attacked and fires were started and it caused $2 million, $2 million in damages. That's fucking, that's a lot of people. And man. that was, yeah, and that was in 1932. So $2 million back then was a hell of a lot more today. Yeah. So the second riot occurred on August 14th, 1954, and this one also caused a huge fire, which destroyed the huge dome that was in the center of the prison. So um, in the center of the prison, like we saw the dome from at the outside, and it used to be, he said they lost, I think it was 40 feet of prison wow. because of the fire. Like that's how much the fire destroyed, like it shortened the top by 40 feet. Wow. Like that's huge. I have a picture, I think, of the picture of the fire. Um, so back then they were allowed to have matches in the prison. So that's how they were able to start these fires. Probably not a good idea. No, because they were all able to smoke whenever they wanted. So they were allowed to have their smokes and their matches on them at all times. Hmm. So it seems a little odd. So, and also I think it was during this riot that he said that the inmates hung a, a big banner, um, on the side of the prison that said under new management. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So all the cars driving by, I could see that it said under new management. You can't even get mad at that. <laughs> I know. That's under new awesome. management. I know. I like, we, everybody in the tour giggled when he told us that because that was just hilarious. The third and final riot took place from April 14th, 1971 to April 18th of 1971. So I'm going to let Jay do some talking now to help me more about this, to tell about this part of the story. All right. I get some action here. <laughs> yeah. So William Billy Knight, the prison barber, started planning the riot to protest the conditions at Kingston Pen. Oh, so it was like an actual worker that started this riot, not an inmate. No, it was an inmate. He was the prison barber, though, but he was also an inmate. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because so yeah, everybody that worked had to have a job. Or everybody that was an inmate had to have a job, got too. It, so he was the it. prison barber. At 10.30 p.m., the inmates were leaving the recreation hall and heading back to their cells. Knight, along with several other inmates, took their places in the lineup. One of the guards noticed that Knight's shirt was untucked and ordered him to tuck it back in. Knight punched the guard in the stomach and shouted, that's the last fucking order you're ever going to give. <laughs> Holy shit. That's good. Yep. One of the other inmates took the guard's keys and along with some other inmates raced into the dome before the guards could shut the gate. Within minutes, six guards were taken hostage. Using the stolen keys, they began to open all the cell doors. Knight gave a speech saying, Brothers, our time has come to shake off the shackles. We've taken control of the dome and we've got six hostages. You will be released from your cells. The first thing the prisoners did was to smash the bell that dictated their every move. When it was suggested that they kill the hostages, Knight gave another speech that said, Brothers, brothers, let's not give the pigs the satisfaction of finding a reason to label us as animals to the world. We need the public support and we won't get it by creating a bloodbath. So, I mean, at least that's good. Yeah, he, didn't, he didn't had some kill. sense to him, yeah. Yeah, he didn't want to kill anybody because he knew there wasn't, no one was going to listen to he him. He should then. have just really threatened to give them really bad haircuts. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that would have done right? anything. Like all bowl cuts or something? <laughs> okay. <laughs> On April 16th, the Royal Canadian Regiment was called in to surround the prison and were ordered to shoot to kill any inmates that attempted to escape. So they were not opposed to violence. No. That's weird, eh? <laughs> the police were not opposed to violence. Exactly. So the inmates... That sounds, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So on the night of April 17th, one of the inmates rounded up 16 undesirable inmates and sentenced them to death. So this guy was not also not opposed. He's like, you know, you guys, cool. Come on, let's go kill you guys. So they just, so they're, they're fighting back to... So what it was, okay, so they, they they had taken control of the jail by this point. Like all the inmates were in control. So it was like two factions then? 
One well, wanted to kind of... No, I think it was the main guy. He was like, okay, we're not killing any guards, but we can kill the other guys that we don't like. The other inmates Oh, the other inmates. Like. Okay, yeah, I they rounded it. up 16 inmates that they didn't oh, like. What the they fuck? Were... That's not cool. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, no, don't, let's not kill guards because they're not going to listen, but we can kill each other. It's all so good. much for the brothers. <laughs> yeah. These 16 were not brothers. They were undesirable. Oh, okay. So these 16 were tied to chairs, had their heads covered with bed sheets, and their noses were broken. They were beaten with fists, metal bars, hammers, and anything else the inmates could find. The floor was covered in blood. Nasty. And when we went to the tour, we were actually at this part. He's like, because the, in the tour, one of the former guards was the one that was telling us about this part, this, this riot. Oh, shit. And he was like, this is where it happened right here. He's like, this dome is right where it happened. And this floor right here was covered in blood. Damn. So it was so creepy to be there. So one of the inmates, Richard Moore, who survived who survived this beating, later recounted that his vision was cloudy because there was too much blood running through his eyes. His head was covered in lacquer from the wood shop, and it was suggested that he be burned to death, but that decision was vetoed. Well, that's good. Yeah, so like, no, nah, we won't burn him. We'll just kill nah, him another we'll just way. beat the shit out Yeah, it's all good. So at that point, a metal bar was used to break every single one of his ribs. Moore remembered that he was in so much pain and was almost unable to breathe from the pain in his ribs and his lungs had been crushed. Holy fuck, man. Yeah, they I'd went be like, light me on fire, please. Yeah, they went to town on him. <laughs> Two of the 16 inmates did end up being murdered in this riot. Brian Enser was a child molester and pedophile. Okay, no loss. He was of below average intelligence. However, he didn't understand that what was being attracted to children was wrong. Okay, well, now that's sad. Now yeah. I just changed my mind. Yeah, because he... Because there's he, a one thing when, yeah, like if you're... He thought he was like if a you have that mental capability, then it's not really his fault. Yeah. But if you're doing it because you're a sick bastard, well, then that's different. Yeah. There but was... then again, if you're ten years old, you shouldn't be thinking about sex, really, right? Well, no, I guess not. But if but you're he's ten a grown years old, man. you shouldn't be in prison either. But yeah, oh, that's true. But if he's like he's a grown <laughs> man, but he has a the yeah. Well, people didn't understand that stuff back then. Yeah, like, I guess so. All right. They just forget he was a man and he was yeah. doing gross shit. <laughs> He was serving a life sentence for raping two young girls, both under the age of 10. His throat was slashed with a homemade knife. The second inmate was, uh, to be killed was Bertrand Robert. Bertrand was sick, was a sick fuck that had slowly boiled his five children with a hot stove burner. What the fuck? I know. Like, that one is no big loss. He was also beaten with metal pipes and was told, that's for boiling your kids. Okay, well, this isn't so bad. I mean, yeah, if you're like a fucking bastard that's like what that. i mean the 16 they rounded up are undesirables because they were ones that they're like holy fuck you're child molesters you're child killers fuck you we're gonna kill okay, you okay yeah that makes sense so those are the 16 that they rounded up the inmates were advised that the army was getting ready to come in and put an end to the riot they then decided to release the hostages in exchange for a promise that the guards would not beat the prisoners if they surrendered hundreds of prisoners rushed out the front gate to surrender hmm. that's well, good that's, then. that's how they managed to do that yeah I guess. They didn't a, want no beatings that they were giving other drinking people. Yeah. A total of 26 prisoners escaped from Kingston Pen in their years of operation. Arguably, the last one was the most well-known. This is the story of Ty Khan, the last person to escape from Kingston Pen. That's a good last name. I was just going to say, can I just say that <laughs> the last name Khan is kind of, kind of funny. It's kind of born into it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Ty Khan was born on January 18th, 1967. When he was born, he was named Ernest Bruce Hayes. His mother was either 15 or 16 years old. Uh, different sources have conflicting information. But she gave him up to his dad when he was born. His dad, in turn, gave him to his maternal grandparents. 
and then those grandparents put him up for adoption at three years of Jeez, age. Jeez, nobody wanted this guy. I know, that, that breaks my heart. So he was finally adopted by a psychiatrist named Dr. Ebert Kahn and renamed Tyrone Kahn. He stayed with them for eight years and was placed back in CAS's care. So CAS, for our non-Canadian listeners, is the Children's Aid Society. He spent the rest of his childhood in foster homes and youth detention centers. He began stealing food as a child and escalated from there to cars. So Jeez. even so, he was even adopted, and then he was given back up. Yeah, like, that's gonna cause some issues. Yeah. What was so bad that nobody wanted him? That must have been the last name. Oh no, because he didn't get that last name until so he, he was just adopted. adopted. But like, he was just stealing food. Like, yeah. he's hungry. Like, <laughs> Fuck, just feed him. Feed him. <laughs> He was incarcerated for the first time at the age of 14 in Brookside Training School, where being bad was cool, and he quickly gained the respect of the other boys. From that time on, he spent the majority of his life behind bars. When he was free, he robbed banks wearing a disguise. He'd point a gun at the teller and demand money, and he'd also steal cars, clothes, and whatever else he needed to survive. However, it is important to note that he never harmed anyone in any of the robberies, so he just wanted the stuff. Just wanted the stuff. He needed money to yep. survive. He didn't have anywhere to go because he had no fucking family that liked him. Exactly, yeah. So that's what he needed to do to survive. Just before being transferred to Kingston Pen, he was part of a plan to escape the prison that he'd been in. That plan ended up going south, so he confessed and turned on the other guys he had been planning the escape with. Because of this, and because he had already successfully escaped prison before, he was sent to Kingston Pen. No one had escaped from Kingston Pen in over 40 years. Ty Khan saw this as a challenge. Yeah. So, yeah. So he was, he like ratted out the other guys he was trying to escape with. And instead of like, they're like, oh, thank you so much. They're like, oh, here you go. You can go to a different prison. Fuck you. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like, so Ty Khan planned his Kingston escape by conditioning the guards. He'd sleep fully clothed and hang his leg over the side of the bed. This was an awkward position to sleep in, but it was all part of his plan. The guards would get used to seeing the leg when they passed to do their nightly checks. And if they saw the leg, they just counted off tie and kept going. Ah. So they didn't need to see his whole body. They're like, oh, yep, his legs there. Cool. Keep going. And the clothes on so he could like stuff his clothes. Uh-huh. Oh, fucking guy. Yeah. He was very, very smart. So uh, Ty then knew that he needed something a little more. So he then asked for a covering for the window because he said the sun was waking him up too early in the morning. So at this point, he'd been a model prisoner, and the guards decided to let him have the covering. So moving forward, when no moonlight, with no moonlight coming into his cell, the guards could just make out the bottom of his leg in his shoe. But when they saw that, they knew that he was in his bed and still counted Fucking him off. Smart They're bastard. like, "Yep, he's he's there. Like we don't like he's cool. Like, nice. He's split. He's there. He's good." Uh, I can appreciate that. That's I good. know he's smart. Ty Khan worked two jobs at the prison. He'd work in the mornings in the canvas shop, making big canvas bags for Canada Post. And in the afternoon, he'd work in the canteen. On the day of his big escape, May 6, 1999, he had the afternoon off from the canteen. The canteen staff didn't let the canvas shop staff know that Ty didn't need to be there that afternoon. So Ty told the guards that he was on his way to the canteen, and the guard okayed that, knowing that he was going where he usually went at that time. Yep, so he's like, okay, cool, see you later. Yep. Yep. During this time, he head out in the corner of the canvas shop, just waiting for everyone to be done and to leave for the day. No one missed him as the canteen staff thought he was at the canvas shop, and the canvas shop thought he was at the canteen. Hilarious. Yep. I love it. <laughs> Prior to this, he had enlisted the help of some fellow inmates. They took a pair of pants and a shoe and placed them in Ty Khan's bed so that the guards would see them and count them off like normal uh, when they did their nightly checks. This gave Ty Khan all night to complete his escape plan. Once it got dark, he came out of his hiding place. 
There was a big metal loading door or like a door or a grate yeah. uh, that they would lower the canvas bags down when Canada Post came to pick them up. Uh, the door was left propped open and a big tarp was covering it so uh, it wasn't open to the elements. This was also courtesy of Tycon as the workers were always complaining of having to lift that big heavy door every time they wanted to load the canvas bags. He's smart, He's man. so smart. He was planning this weeks in advance. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Ty suggested this all while in the back of his mind, trying to make it easier to escape. Because he figured if the grate is already open, and when he goes to escape, they're not going to hear that big door yeah. opening. Slide and right out. Yeah, they'll have the tarp there because they had to have they had to have something because they couldn't leave it open to the elements. So Ty's like, just put that big tarp there. Yeah. And that way we don't have to open the grate Genius. all the time. Yeah. Tycon bolted shelving brackets to a small step ladder to extend its reach to 27 feet. He put tape on the ends to prevent any sounds. He then used pieces from the canvas bags as rungs to make a makeshift ladder to reach the rest of the way to the ground. Fucking, I like it. Yeah, so I have a picture of this grate because we, we were in the canvas shop on our tour. We got to see the canvas shop and we got to see the big spot where he went down. It's really actually pretty high up from the ground. And then we went back, we went outside and to the ground. And so I was able to take a picture of the outside, like looking up so you can see the grate. It's closed now, but um, so I'll have a picture of that. I'll post it so you guys can see exactly where he went. Nice. Yeah, so this is, again, how smart he is. So Tycon predicted that they would use tracking gods, tracking dogs, not gods, mm -hmm. tracking dogs to try to locate him. So he sprinkled cayenne pepper around to throw off the dogs. Oh, I like this guy. And he I wasn't know. really like a murderer or anything, so exactly. I'm on his side. This is a cool fucking I know. story. I, I actually kind of like him too. But I don't know where he got the cayenne pepper from, but he Maybe. sprinkled cayenne yeah, pepper around. I don't know. So it worked. The dogs were not able to pick up his scent. They couldn't find him. Nice. So do and just be and he knew this too. Due to cost saving measures, there wasn't a guard station in the guard tower that night. What? And he knew that there was no guard gonna be there that night. And because of that, they're also they didn't have the lights on in the outside. How can that? Yard. That's not a cost-cutting measure. That you cut. Don't stock cayenne pepper in the fucking kitchen. Then you don't get rid of a fucking guard and the lights. Yeah, they they um, didn't have the guard. The lights were off. So that's stupid. Yeah. So he made his way over to the wall, and it didn't have barbed wire at that time. Of course not. And he used a homemade grappling hook that he had made to propel himself over. And I have pictures of this grappling hook too. It's pretty freaking big. I don't know how he made it. What he it looks like almost like tin foil, but it's was able to hold his weight to pull him over. So it can't Jeez. be tin foil, but I don't know. So once over the wall, he just began running. He ran over 11 kilometers to the 401, which is a major highway here in Ontario. So he had a, a successfully Jesus. escaped Kingston Penn. He was the first one to do it in over 40 years. Wow. So he had been serving a 47 year sentence. And this was because he kept escaping from prison. But even though he never used violence, he was getting much longer sentences than violent criminals. Because they're like, every time he would escape, okay, oh, we're going to add he's 10, 10 years. He's getting the fucking embarrassment sentences because everyone's yeah. like, fuck. So every time he's escaped, okay, we're going to add more time to your sentence. Like, like, and he was so smart that he could never, he always escaped every prison that they put him in. Cause yeah, so let's put him in a prison where they don't have a garden to tower or fucking lights. <laughs> yeah, well, they... they Kingston, nothing, Nobody had escaped for over 40 years, so they guess they figured that it was unescapable. But he, again, he took it as a challenge. He fucking figured it out. So on this tour, they told us the story, and they mentioned that Ty had a calendar on his wall. So on the spot for May 6th, the day that he escaped, he had written, Gone Fishing on it. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm going fishing, guys. This is when I'm leaving. I'm going That's fishing. That's almost as good as under new management. I love I him. love these prisoners, I, man. I know. They're, yeah, they're smart. They're funny. They got some sense of humor. <laughs> Two weeks later, on May 20th, 1999, police caught up with Ty. 
He was located in a basement in Toronto. He was on the phone with the CBC producer, Teresa Burke and Ruby Clayton. He heard the sirens coming and he knew that they were coming for him. He didn't want to go back to prison, so Ty shot himself Aww, when he was on the phone. That's too bad. I know. I actually, as bad as it sounds, I have a really soft spot for Ty. Yeah. I kind of love Ty's Ty. legend, man. Yeah, I kind of yeah, love him. Legend. Yeah. Afterwards, police discovered that during the 13 days of freedom, he visited his mother in Belleville. Um, the mother that didn't want him, but yeah. he somehow managed to go visit her in Belleville. Hmm. I, I wonder if she turned him in. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so, because there was a whole... There's a whole week that they don't know what he did. I so guess I don't so, think yeah. so. In Frankfurt, he stole a 1977 yellow Buick. In Trenton, he stole uh, a shotgun and shells from Canadian Tire. And shortly after that, he robbed a CIBC and stole 15000 Can I just okay, say... Okay, well, if you're going to fucking escape, just stop doing that shit. But he needed money. What else is he going to do? Pickpocket or something. <laughs> well, the pickpocketers go to jail too <laughs> at the age of eight. Um, but can I just say how really Canadian this story is? He stole stuff from Canadian Tire. He mm. robbed a CIBC, which is the Canadian Bank. Yeah, Imperial Bank of Canada. Yeah, yeah. so just very Canadian story. <laughs> he was armed with a shotgun and escaped in the Buick. All that happened within the first week of his escape. Police didn't know... Um, or the, Sorry, the police don't know what he did for the second week he was on the run until resurfacing in Toronto. Well, probably so, fishing. Or, I know, I hope yeah, he did. I hope yeah. he went fishing. I hope so. I really hope he did. Because while he was at Canadian Tire, he should have stole some fishing lures or something. Yeah. Or some fishing equipment. Yeah. Just well, he's, he's so smart, he could have fashioned himself something, I'm sure. Oh, probably. Yeah. In total, from the time Ty was 13 years old until his death at the age of 32, he was only legally free for 69 days. That's fucked up. I know. 69 for days? That's it? Yeah. That's just over two months in 19 years. Damn. 19 years he was only free for two months of that whole time i mean he was i think the total told i forget it was but i think the total was over a hundred and some days because of all his escapes that he did so he was free for more than that but he was yeah, legally a fugitive. Free, yeah. yeah he was only legally free for so the rest of the time days. he was fucking either on run or in prison yeah Damn. so from the time of 13 years old he only had 16 69 days of freedom that's crazy though they should make a movie out of that that guy's they have it's called oh, really? um it's called my brother the fugitive or something like that sweet i'm gonna watch it yeah i want to watch it too because and one of the, the guard that was telling us about the story about the um the riot I told you like the one there was an ex guard that was telling us that story yeah. he said that he was actually um Ty Khan's brother's roommate in college oh shit that's so weird that's odd and our tour guide didn't even know that he's like oh I learned something new today too oh, I the odds that. of that right? <laughs> yeah. of course they hire that guy so maybe. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Well, I guess it's not a penitentiary anymore, so nothing to no. worry about. No, I used to, he was a guard there when it was a penitentiary, though. Oh, true. Yeah, and now hmm. he just helps with the tour. <laughs> Still hiring the wrong people, I think. <laughs> no, he was really nice, though. But yeah, I love Tycon, and I just... Yeah, that's awesome. I like. I was impressed to learn, to learn about that. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So that actually was longer than I thought it would be. I didn't think it would be a very long episode, but this oh, tour, but... Maybe, you, can you imagine if you remembered more of your, <laughs> of your tour? I know. Like, okay, so to put this in perspective, it was a three-hour tour, and I they were running at about 35 minutes right now, so... So next time, maybe you don't hours, just walk around in the stupor and yeah, take notes or something. The other two and a half hours were just gone. <laughs> so just, you're going to have to go to the tour yourself. That's all it is. Yeah. It's, it's worth the money. I'm really interested in, in seeing the big black, uh, what did you call them? The big black what? Black squares. Oh, the big black squares. Yeah, yeah, the black squares sound really interesting. Yeah, they're just black squares that were in the gym on the wall. Interesting. Yeah, it's cool. Hmm. But anyway, if you guys need to get a hold of us, um, or want to, not need to, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us, wtftruecrimepod at gmail.com. 
What? What was that look for? Nothing. Just the dogs barking outside. Have oh, anyone heard that? That's I didn't even the hear crazy it. neighborhood dogs. Yeah, I didn't even hear that, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> our Instagram WTF True Crime Pod, and Kayla, thank you for vamping that up for us. Our Facebook page WTF True Crime Podcast, and we have a discussion discussion group WTF True Crime Pod discussion group. Which I'll try to remember to post something there. Well, you're never going to fucking post nothing there. I know. We need somebody. Who wants to admin that group for us? Because we need an admin (laughs) to run that group because I forget about it. Now, didn't we also get like a suggestion from someone that we weren't related to? Yeah, we did. Somebody messaged us on Instagram this week and it made my freaking day. Yeah. And she talked about a case involving twins, which everybody knows I love twins. So we're going to look into that. Actually, I say she because... The name on the Instagram was Kara, but then they said their name was Samuel. So it's either Kara or Samuel. I'm not really sure. Well, whatever the mystery listener whoever sent us that, <laughs> we're going to look into it. Thank yeah. you for giving us a suggestion. We yeah, appreciate it. Thanks that. for contacting us. We super appreciate it. And we loved, like, it made my whole freaking day. Yeah. Like, I instantly you were pretty called, excited. I, know. I called you. I'm like, oh my God, somebody messaged us. Oh my God. <laughs> so, yeah, we would love to hear from more of you. And yeah, so thanks for listening. Yeah, we're going to try our hardest now. Week. Every week? Every week, yeah. We're going to start researching more often. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, thanks, guys. Have a great night. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.